Welcome to Transformation for Success with Dr. Barbara Young. If you're looking for something more, something different, something better, this is your opportunity. Over the next hour, we'll talk about inspiration for personal and professional success. Now, here is your host, Dr. Barbara Young. Today, I'm so excited that I have Congressman Cleaver with me. I want your full name because I want to make sure that I get that full name out there. Yeah, Emmanuel Cleaver uh, with one M. Uh, the When it's spelled with two M's, uh, it reflects uh, the... Uh, Hebraic uh, tone to the name, uh, and with one, uh, with with one, uh, it is uh, not as it's not a biblical uh, name. Uh, I M M A N U E L is the Greek uh, form of the the name Emmanuel, which means uh, in total God has pitched His tent with us, and people have shortened it over the centuries to mean. God with us. Yes, they have. But, you know, one of the things that I want to say about you as an individual, I know that you are a man who loves God and who has a faith, and it's so important. And you've been uh, in this exalted, well, I would say exalted position where God has led you from the ministry to a larger ministry yes. in terms of politically how we're going to run this country. So I just want to take this opportunity to truly from my heart say thank you because I know oftentimes you don't, elected officials do not get maybe the heartfelt thanks. They may get kudos from people who are wanting something, but mm -hmm. really a heartfelt thanks for all that you do and try to do with integrity, and that is what we need today. Now, we know that this country right now, we hear a lot, there's a lot of negativity, I don't want to have to go into that. I don't want to mm -hmm. discuss the negativity, but we know that we have a president now that there are a lot of things that are happening that are running towards the negativity. Yes. You represent a party, the Democratic Party, and I'd like to know so that people out there can also understand what is the plan of the Democratic Party, per se, and what can you help us with, what the plan is, and how we can help lay people, people out there in the community, people across the globe, because we are, we have a global audience. And I want to thank all of you for listening today and tuning in to the Transformation for Success show with Dr. Barbara Well, uh, thank you, and it's good to, to be here with you. Uh, let me first of all say that our government is in many ways uh, far from being a pure democracy. Uh, you know, and the reason I say that is um, in, in reality, the, the most powerful person in Washington uh, has not uh, been and is not today the President of the United States. I, think, I don't care whether it's Barack Obama or, or uh, London Johnson. The most powerful person in Washington is the Speaker of the House. Mm -hmm. And the Speaker determines what legislation comes to the floor, uh, what amendments can come uh, 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 to the floor accompanying legislation. And uh, no matter what the President of the United States does, if the Speaker is uh, fighting against him, uh, he's going to have a difficult time. And, 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 and uh, all we have to do is look at the eight years of President Barack Obama, mm -hmm. except for the uh, two-year period uh, during which Nancy Pelosi uh, shared the, the, or became the leader of the House. 
president that had no uh, no help over in the House at all. He did for uh, six of those years ha mm -hmm. have uh, a help coming from the Senate. Mm -hmm. Now, uh, what we have to do is, is understand we're not going to win legislative battles because our numbers just will not allow that. Right. But uh, I, I think we fail miserably if we if we don't uh, put a plan in place. So the first part of the plan is to uh, energize the base so that we can have a turnout during the midterm election uh, uh, because that's the time that African Americans and, and frankly Democrats just don't vote. They don't vote yeah. in the off-year elections. Right. And that's how the Republicans were able to take over uh, all of the, the uh, houses around the country. They took over the legislature, legislatures uh, all over the country and uh, most of the legislatures around the country. So what we are going to do, we realize now we've made mistakes in the past by not having a 50-state strategy. And, mm -hmm. and so in the past, we would just run in races that we thought, you know, we could right. possibly win. win. But uh, if, we, if, we, if we don't have a 50-state majority, we're not going to win in 50 states. And so we think that with a 50-state majority, that there is always the chance of picking up a couple of seats that we didn't even anticipate. You, right. you never know right. what's going, right. going to happen. Uh, so up until the uh, election in November of uh, 2018, uh, we're uh, going to uh, try uh, around the country to get our message out about what's going on in Washington, to increase the intellectual understanding of government and to get uh, a higher level of uh, daily participation in government by reading and uh, looking at t TV news or radio news. And then uh, we have 49 members of the Congressional Black Caucus. Wow. We, we have scattered around That's the country. Right, we, do. Uh, we are speaking in uh, every available venue around the country, uh, you know, getting the word out about uh, the fact that uh, uh, we have to energize the base, and that is we've got to register voters, whether they, it's the links, it's the deltas, it's the AKAs, whether uh, it's uh, some kind of uh, local uh, social club or, uh, or a, a group of women and men who get together for social purposes. We, we're, we're getting people to convert uh, what was, would normally be a party uh, situation into a change of the environment situation. Right. Well, one of the things that um, I've learned uh, since being here at the Congressional Black Caucus is one of the things is where are our ministers and where are the clergy uh, as it relates to politics and it's like they're missing. Uh, so I'm hoping my, that we can engage more of the churches, the clergy, because I know they represent the last bastion, so to speak, yes. for many of the African Americans in this country. And so... Hopefully, I, and I trust that the Democratic Party and people will consider, being that you're a member of the clergy, that that's one base that we really have got to get our mission accomplished with the churches. Because I, I think the pastors can pay, uh, play more of a role than they have in the past. Mm -hmm. Now is the time. Now that's just yes. Dr. Barber speaking. Yes. Um, I, I'm not sure how. You well, during the annual uh, legislative conference of the CBC, uh, we have a prayer breakfast, and we'll have uh, three or four thousand people there uh, on Saturday morning. Mm -hmm. uh, but it's it's also important to know that after that 
prayer breakfast ends, there has been, at least for the last 13 years because I've chaired it, a uh, brunch immediately afterward uh, with clergy mm -hmm. from all over Good. the country. Good. And uh, this year, we, uh, uh, at our luncheon, uh, at our brunch rather, we're going, the, the subject is the church uh, in, during the time of Trump. And so <laughs> okay. we're, yeah. we're, we're going to, uh, it's not one of those preaching deals where you know, somebody stands up and preaches and, and we get hallelujah, amen, and, and right, go home. Right, right. Uh, it's a time that Elijah Cummings, who co-chairs this with me, and I will be getting uh, uh, clergy members, hopefully, empowered uh, with new information on how uh, to, to work with politicians back home. Now, we do have some problems, and I'm not beyond uh, talking about that because many people are aware of the fact that for whatever reason, a lot of the young pastors uh, are, are uh, not as socially, uh, uh, socio-politically involved as they were in the 1960s. There's no need in us pretending that they, that they were. They, they, that's, that's just not the way it is. And in part, uh, it, 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 it's probably due to uh, the fact that we have fewer and fewer uh, people going into the ministry uh, who either had an HBCU experience or went to uh, one of uh, uh, one of our uh, black seminaries. Now, right now, we only have Gammon Theological Seminary that's African American, uh, which is in, in Atlanta. So, uh, and even there, the enrollment now is at a critically low point. Uh, so, um, we're we're not training African American uh, pastors in an African environment, uh, nor with a uh, what we call uh, liberation theology uh, at, at many of the uh, <laughs> right. predominantly white right. seminaries. Right. So, uh, and then at the same time, this new phenomenon about uh, mega churches. I mean, a lot of these pastors want to be uh, mega church pastors. Yes. Uh, they want to pastor a church with 30,000 yes. uh, people. Yes. It might be important to your listeners to know that the pastors who made the most influence in this country. Uh, were people who did not pastor huge churches. No, uh, Dr. Martin Luther King was a associate pastor of, of, of Ebenezer with his father. Uh, and Ebenezer, uh, I don't, I don't know if you can get more than a thousand people oh, yeah, uh, in the there. church. I've been to that church. Uh, or, or if you go to uh, to to uh, New York City to Harlem uh, and and uh, go to the Great Abyssinian. Uh, that were where Adam Clayton Powell preached. Uh, Abyssinia is not a huge church. Uh, maybe a thousand people can get in there uh, at one service. Mm -hmm. I've preached there. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, I, I think that uh, this new young uh, uh, level of, of, um, of preachers, you know, are actually like, you know, I want to, I want to, I want to pastor one of these. Huge yeah. churches, right, right, and um, and and the, the 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 danger in that is that these huge churches, uh, many of the pastors from those churches are hesitant to um, to get involved in, in anything political because they don't want to offend anyone. They you know yeah. because yeah. you know they are they need a, a lot of money to support the uh, the the vast ministries. Um, and, and that does pose another subject to uh, some of the uh, feeling today is that how the churches may be failing 
uh, to do and to respond correctly because it become more politically correct yes. than uh, really following following mm-hmm. biblical principles. Yes. So I know that there's a big job to do, but as we talk about the future and talk about too that you were the past chair for two years of the Congressional Black Caucus. And from your experiences with the, the caucus, what do you think that this year, this is what year? Is this the 25th year? Yes. Uh, fifth year of the Congressional Black Caucus. There are 49 mm-hmm. uh, members, as you have stated. What, from what you've gained this year, what do you think is coming out as one of the most important, I guess, foci, because I'm sure there's more than just one focus, but foci that we should be concerned about and how can we, as a majority population, the people in other countries that are listening, mm-hmm. uh, how can they support? Because to me, this is a common problem, not for just one country, but it affects all of us because we are a global community. So what is the CBC that well, you're seeing coming out of this? Well, you know, each year when we put on our annual legislative conference, we also do some social things in the evening. But the annual legislative conference is primarily designed for members of Congress to expose the five to 10,000 people who come here each year uh, with information about uh, uh, you know delicate issues, uh, and then this year most of, uh, of the brain trusts, as we call them, or workshops, as others would call them, uh, are dealing with uh, millennials. Uh, for example, Congresswoman Maxine Waters uh, from your state uh, has had two uh, millennial uh, brain trusts where they've talked about uh, the issues uh, impacting millennials. Millennials. And you couldn't get in there. Uh, people were packed in and standing outside, waiting for someone to leave so they could take their spot. Yes. And so we've had a lot of that all over uh, at, here the, at the convention center in Washington. Um, you know, uh, w- this is not a party. I know, uh, you know, people uh, who who may not have been here uh, mm-hmm. would would think that. This is a time to go to parties in the evenings, and there are and there are social events in the evenings. But anybody who comes to these events and go and and, and is interested in actually finding out why we do it and spend time in the in the convention center, uh, they can pick up all kinds of new information and yes, uh, and equip themselves with mm-hmm. what they uh, might need when they go back home. A few years ago, the New York Times uh, wrote a three full page story about uh, the, the Congressional Black Caucus uh, and tried to uh, talk about how it was a time for you know African Americans to wear nice clothes, expensive clothes. To, they would come in <laughs> from around the country. The, the, you know, those who are in uh, in terms of uh, the economics and in with uh, po- po- politics and business that they all mm-hmm. show up at, at, in, uh, in Washington. And many of them do, and they come here and they go to these brain trusts and they work hard, uh, they make presentations, mm-hmm. and thousands of people, even as you and I ch- uh, chat, are over there. Yes. So we we, we, tr- we have tried desperately to get people, uh, from the time I took over, uh, 
which was, would have been six years ago when I was chair, um, to, to, to at least we do it, we say, you know, this is the annual legislative conference, uh, you know, so that people understand this is not, uh, you know, uh, boogie woogie time. No, uh, this is a now, time to come together yes. and to share and to learn. That's right. Yeah, and I can say that the workshops uh, that I've attended so far, and I did attend Maxine uh, Congresswoman Maxine Waters' uh, workshop yesterday, and it was standing room only. Yes. In fact, they couldn't because the fire marshal would have a fit with all of those people crowded around the room. And um, today I missed her workshop, which was talking about hip hop. That's right. And how much hip hop has contributed to the economy. People not maybe realizing how much that has contributed Absolutely. and how much of what's happening today in America, we are wearing hip-hop as a right. result of from the African-American community. And so, I, th I think it's important to know that, uh, you know, this is probably the first time in the history of this uh, republic that African-Americans have taken full advantage of the economics of African-Americans, and that is... Uh, in the past, other folk have, have uh, uh, taken advantage of us, uh, even if we came up with something. So, uh, you know, mm -hmm. that wasn't an attempt. Uh, I don't think that was a strategy to take over hip-hop, but uh, we created uh, hip-hop, yes, and then uh, there were a lot of folk who were not African-American. That's right. <laughs> yeah, there were but, but when you look at, at the African-American uh, uh, hip-hop artists, most of them, or certainly many of them, also were smart enough to realize that they could use their name uh, and their celebrity uh, to move into the economics. And there you have uh, Jay-Z doing yes, all kinds do. of things and common. Uh, these, these people are now uh, challenging uh, and rivaling uh, white business leaders uh, around the, the world. And, and, and they're, getting, they're not just getting into selling clothes, a clothesline, no, they're, 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 they're doing industries. all kinds yes. of things. Yes. So, uh, you know, we, the, we can use them. And uh, and many of them, like Common, for example, uh, they they uh, design their craft to uh, deliver messages uh, to African Americans. Right, right. And so right. I, I'm... I'm that reminds me of Harriet yeah. Tubman. Yes. Some of the, the messages that we had to carry during yes. those days. I mean, yes, I, I, I'm, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm a, an RB guy from uh, the 70s. And so am I, I. Yes. But, I, but uh, I, I do have an appreciation for what these uh, yes. uh, hip-hop artists are doing. Right, right. And I think it's carrying the right messages, which leads us to the, this whole, and we mentioned the millennials and how the party, is there a plan, more of an extensive plan that is to reach out to millennials? Is there some sort of concrete? Uh, uh, yes. Uh, Cedric Richmond is 38 years old. He's the chair of the Congressional Black Caucus at 38. Uh, that was a great deal of intentionality. Uh, we could have elected somebody uh, who was 65 years old uh, mm -hmm. as chair, but we didn't. Like we, we elected we, an old president. Yes. No, I'm sorry. Uh, didn't but, but, say that. <laughs> uh, but it's the truth. But uh, so, you know, we, we, we wanted to put people out front. Uh, who were young in age, uh, but, uh, you know, wise in, in, in years. And uh, uh, we think that, that that sends a message. Uh, but right now, it's like we're in the, in, in the, the, the laboratory. We are uh, in that pouring things, trying to figure yeah. out what, what works. And, um, and, and I, you know, uh, we haven't come up with the um, 
the potion, if you will, mm -hmm. uh, that is, is uh, going to convert millennials uh, into uh, activists. Now, let me just say, many of the millennial African Americans are following Bernie Sanders. Uh, and, uh, you know, I've worked with uh, Senator Sanders uh, both in the uh, House when he, before he went to the Senate and somewhat now. Uh, and I have a great deal of respect for, uh, for him. Uh, the young people um, who are following him in many instances probably, uh, you know, are thinking because he gives the impression that if you want health care for everybody in the country, uh, all you have to do is demonstrate and um, come to Washington and it's going to happen. And uh, Senator Sanders, for all of, of his uh, uh, nationals celebrity, uh, has, has not been very effective uh, in, 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 in the legislature. I mean, he's, I think he's gotten, he's been here 30 something years, I think he's had uh, two bills that, that have been approved. So yeah. uh, I, that's not a slam at him. No. I, I'm I just saying. Bernie's I, been around a long time, and people, I, I guess Bernie would be outspoken from what I heard, and it got to be the point of the person that speaks constantly all the time, the same thing, the same right. thing. Pretty soon he was, he was, people just sort of tuned him yeah, out. Yeah, persona non grata here mm -hmm. at, in Congress. Mm -hmm. And so when he ran for president, there were uh, 535 members of Congress, uh, three of them supported him. So, yeah, um, I'm to tell you yeah. where his credibility yes. was. However, um, I think you made a good point, um, Congressman Cleaver, about the millennials, and, and, and I'm glad to hear you say that because we don't know the mixture. We really don't know at this point what will really grab them. Right. I know that I'm reaching out, and even with this broadcast, to help millennials understand the process and that it's not going to be the marches and the demonstrations that's going to affect change. It's going to take another kind of mixture. Mm -hmm. of, and I know, because I, I, I think as business owners, I'm an entrepreneur, and many of them I work with, and we're all trying to figure out how do we engage them. Yes. I do know this much. What I've learned thus far with my limited research is that they're very creative, they are social media experts in technology, oh, quick-minded, but they want to find meaning. What I get from most of them in California, I'm not sure this is around the country, but they want to have meaning. What meaning and how am I going to be able to make that contribution mm -hmm. where it has some meaning? Yes. So I've devised actually a grid to look at four areas of life that we all look at. Mm -hmm. Happiness, abundance, growth, and meaning. And I've actually used this with millennials. I'm giving one of my trade secrets away out here. But to ask them, I'm giving you 10 poker chips. I want you to place those chips mm -hmm. on what it means to work for this company. Or how, where would you put your poker chips? Yeah. It tells me a lot. And you can actually try that with, with many human beings. I did it oh, yeah. since I've been here. Mm -hmm. And it's very interesting because it tells me then how I need to focus the program. If you want meaning and you want growth, you're the right person for my company. Mm -hmm. If you're looking for abundance and happiness, it might not be because I won't be able to give you that 
$75,000 because you have a master's and you feel that's where you are. So it's really kind of an indicator, a quick cursory indicator of where people are. And some of the millennials, that's where they are. A lot of them yes. find creativity and meaning. Yes, I, 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 <laughs> I think they, they are the, the that, that is the generation that will save this nation. Uh, uh, they are the, 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 the last standing battalion, if you will, uh, standing in the way of autocracy uh, and uh, things that no one in this country just a few years ago would have ever thought no. that we were dealing with. But uh, they, they are there and they're becoming more and more engaged. Unfortunately, uh, the, the police uh, shooting of unarmed black men has, has also uh, pushed many of them into social activism. But, you know, there's always been a, somewhat of a division between, uh, you know, when we were talking about, when we were talking about trying to change America, um, uh, for example, I, I, I uh, my family has been uh, deeply involved in uh, the goings on for some time. Uh, when uh, my cousin Eldridge Cleaver uh, first uh, came on the scene with uh, many of the other Black Panthers in Oakland. And I met him. Um, yes, he, he was uh, quite a man. Yeah, quite a man. He, uh, he was extremely intelligent, mm -hmm. uh, but he, um, you know, uh, sometimes when people are, are brilliant, they they uh, there's a thin line between brilliance and lunacy. I knew you were going to say and, that. Uh, and sometimes, <laughs> yeah, uh, you know, uh, brilliant people slip over into uh, lunacy. But um, you know, Pete O'Neill, the last. Uh, 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 Panther is now still in exile in uh, uh, Tanzania and Arusha. I've, I've, mm -hmm. uh, I've been I mean, uh, yeah. contact with, with yeah. him and his his family, and you know uh, they 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 were not on board with Martin Luther King and um, uh, the Southern Christian Leadership Conference and uh, the NAACP. They weren't in, they weren't in sync, mm -hmm. uh, and 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 there were some rather well publicized. Conflicts between uh, you know these young people um, and uh, the 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 older black leadership. Uh, John Lewis, for example, uh, at the age ripe old age of twenty years old, was ousted as uh, the leader mm -hmm. of SNCC overnight. Yeah, yeah. it was yeah. A, a you know midnight revolt. Uh, they thought that he was too close to the. Uh, to Martin Luther King, and so yeah. yeah, so uh, there's always been that conflict. The right. difference is we can't afford it now. Back then, uh, it was the, the difference was based on strategy. Uh, today, the, the difference is, uh, is is based on survival or, or connected with survival. I mean, we are uh, we we can't afford to be divided no, by age. No, we can't. Uh, I, I have one one. Last question. Um, I just want to thank you so much for sharing your time and, and really answering these questions. Is that there have been many people who, you know, said, "Are we moving towards another party or a third party?" I'm sure you've heard some of this yes. talk. Do, in your best mind, do you feel that we may be moving towards a third party? No, I, I think we've seen the, uh, the 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 attempts in the past to do that, and they all failed. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, whether it was, uh, you know, George Wallace uh, trying to get a, a third party uh, going, Ross uh, Perot 
tried, and he had, and he spent uh, uh, hundreds of millions of dollars of his own money. Unlike, uh, well, he spent yeah. hundred, he spent hundreds of millions of dollars, and and even with that, uh, he came in a distant third. I think our our, our country is uh, predisposed to two parties. There has been, and there will continue to be, and history will record probably until the end of time. Uh, attempts being made to start a third party in the United States, mm-hmm. uh, but it's the, uh, there is no infrastructure there, mm-hmm. uh, and so you you got to have a, an infrastructure to okay. start a third party, and and to start a third party when these two parties have been around for a century, uh, it's going to be a, a little difficult. Right. Right. So I, I'm not, I, I, not, you know, uh, there will be insurgencies from time to time, mm-hmm. Ralph Nader. Uh, most of the time, they'll do damage to uh, to the the political left, um, but uh, you know they'll come and go. Uh, for example, uh, eight years ago, everybody was talking about the Tea Party, uh, and even <laughs> even members of the, remember, the, the yeah. Tea Party won't call themselves the Tea Party now. They call themselves the Freedom Caucus in the House of Representatives. So it's it's going Does to be difficult. Yes. Now, my, my last question, is, do you, what do you feel in terms of the future, your best hope, because again, your belief system, what do you feel that the future portends for this country? Well, I, 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 two, let me do, do two things. One, um, African Americans are the make it people of the planet. We are, and our, and our ancestors, uh, ancestors have been, the people who, uh, no matter what, uh, was able, were able to survive. And, and, and not only just survive, uh, but to excel. And there is no way in the world, there's no logical reason for Barack Obama to have risen to the presidency. I mean, uh, or, or me, I, I didn't even live in a house with uh, indoor plumbing until I was eight and we moved in public housing down in in Texas, just outside of downtown Dallas. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we, of all the people, uh, must be the ones to present this country with hope. You know, you, you guys uh, have done all kinds of things to us, and still we rise. Yes, and, that's, and that is the theme of this Congressional that's Black right. Caucus, the 25th year, and still we rise. Yes. And we will in the future. And Congressman Cleaver, I can't thank you enough for taking time because I know this has been a really hectic schedule for you. And we had one interview scheduled and because you had yeah. to be on the Hill. But thank you so much. Glad to do it. And thank, thank you for you. what you're doing. Thank you. I'm, I'm doing my best. And for you listeners out there, I want you to take note. I want you to give us a call or give a chat or you can reach me at info at transformation for success. And this is Dr. Barbie Young. I want you to stay tuned because we'll be bringing you more information on the Congressional Black Caucus in its 25th year. And again, thank you. Thank you. God bless you. So much. That was a coffee cup. I just. Okay. Thank you. Absolutely. See you next Tuesday. Okay. Thank you. Hello, this is Dr. Barbie Young. I'm with Transformation Success TV and radio talk show Transformation for Success. I am so excited because I'm here today at the 25th 
year of the Congressional Black Caucus, and I'm with one of the 49 members here today and a very staunch supporter of women, and she has done so much for her community. And I'm going to introduce to some of you who might not have heard of her or know her, but she is the Congresswoman Gwen Moore. At Whit, she is from Milwaukee, Wisconsin. I want that. Is that right? That is absolutely right. I want to make sure that people don't get it mixed up. And those of you out there need to know this woman is a dynamic force and has a great, powerful story. But one of the things, while I'm here today, and I was so happy to have you be with us and take time, because this is your luncheon and you had a wonderful time, and thank you for inviting me to your luncheon. Listen, you, you were such an addition to the conversation, and it's our pleasure. Well, you have done such a marvelous work. And so one of the things I wanted to just, uh, a couple of questions, uh, and take up your time, and again, thank you for taking the time to uh, respond today. But you've been with the Congressional Black Caucus for some time, and also the Democratic Party. We know that we hear a lot of negativity, and I appreciate your comments earlier today in one of your sessions, which was magnificent, to talk about we've had the negativity neg negativity. But we want to hear, what does the Democratic Party plan or they planning to do to take back the House? And if there is a plan, how can those of us in the community, those who are outside, even our global audience, what is it we can do to support a plan that is going to be progressive and that's going to be more inclusive for so many individuals in this country? Well, thank you for asking that question. I think one of the things that we've realized is that we have got to get beyond the grievance. We're all in grief uh, about the outcome of the election. Um, and we have got, our message has got to be a lot more clear. Uh, and it's not just an anti-Donald Trump message. Um, but it's got to be a, a, a message of hope, renewal, and really a message that recognizes the pillars of the Democratic Party uh, uh, as being a party that has evolved into, that, that really is reliant upon women, right? women of color, right? and to really target those groups of people and let them know how valuable they are to the, the rebuilding of our country. Uh, to empower them, not just have them as an afterthought. Right. Um, part of the way the Democratic Party has organized uh, for too long um, has been, uh, you know, you know, thirty thousand feet TV commercials, mm -hmm. and not spending enough time in those communities that are most affected by some of the negative policies that we see the other party advancing. You know, for example, who uh, in the United States is going to be more adversely impacted by structural changes to the Medicaid program with right. a block granted mm -hmm. than women and people of color? And we've got to carry that message to them instead of this sort of generic uh, 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 message that we've relied upon. So two things, I think, we have to get over the grief uh, of the outcome of the election uh, and and move forward, uh, and, and and then we do really have to recognize that women of color, black women, are the strength of this party. And you know that's interesting that you say that, and I can appreciate that. And and so we want to also know that women, other women, uh, are encouraged to really be get involved with the Democratic Party to get involved with movement that gives hope and equality for everybody. 
One of the things that uh, over the years, I know the Congressional Black Caucus has worked on a number of issues. And so out of this 25th year, what do you think has been the main foci of CBC this year? Or how, what you see is the main foci? Because I'm sure it's more than one. Well, you know, that's, that's an important question because the theme this year was taken from, of course, the late, great Maya Angelou says, Still I Rise. And so I think that it, part of this is, it means that we have to really embrace our culture, our heritage, and really recognize that African Americans have risen from the most egregious conditions. Yes. Um, the, the slavery, sharecropping, Jim Crow, lynching, and that this particular election is nothing as compared to what we've already overcome. Um, and so, uh, and to learn the lessons about the mistakes that we've made as well, the kind of tribalism, mm-hmm. uh, you know, that that we have built. There is no distinction between the plight of rural African Americans and 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 city African Americans, um, and to really, really um, be intersectional about our struggle and and to step up. And be the leaders of our party instead of hanging back, uh, waiting on someone to come and tell us to to, to be leaders. Do you do you feel it, that somehow um, in the past and just maybe the past few months, I think we had grief and shock. I think for many of the people in the Democratic Party, do you believe that there's still that sort of inertia with the Democrats and like in terms of what to do and how you're going to do it? If there is a plan, how are we going to execute that plan? Um, how do we involve black churches since a lot of this affects African Americans? What do you what do you think or what, what can you say about that? Well, I, I can tell you that I am concerned. Uh, as we move toward 2018 and 2020, that there is still an awful lot of infighting. Um, you know, I, I heard someone say, if I just have one more party where people are going to argue over Bernie Sanders versus Hillary Clinton, mm-hmm. either of whom are president of the United States, then I'm going to leave my house and leave my own party. Mm-hmm. I do think that it's time for us to get over that. One of the things that our very special guest, Melissa Harris Perry, said in our session um, t- today is that we need to uh, make sure that we start to recruit some people who truly have the Democratic Party values in place uh, and encourage people to run. It was a shame that we only had two people, uh, one who was not a member of the Democratic Party uh, and another person who, um, you know, many people thought, you know, felt ordained. So we didn't have a primary so that those conversations and discussions could occur. and, and then you talked about the role of the black church and other black institutions. Mm-hmm. You know, we need money. But in the absence of that, there's a, we have to remember that a lot of the civil rights struggle was generated by the activity of the black church. And black churches don't have to endorse candidates or do anything untoward politically. Just be the role but that they, they ought to be in yeah. the community. You know, really... Put somebody in church in charge of making sure everyone is registered to vote. To make sure on election day that the church buses are not parked in the parking lot, but that they're engaged to pick up those folks that are are, are elderly. You know, a lot of uh, African Americans, Latinos, are, are are beleaguered by their economic circumstances, 
Um, and they don't necessarily have a ride to the polls or a ride to go get this voter ID. You know, and as Melissa Harris Perry pointed out, this is the first election that we've had without the protection of the Voting Rights Act. So as a member of Congress, I'm going to have to double down on our efforts mm -hmm. to get the Voting Rights Act restored. But then, even so, within our own communities, we've got to take it upon ourselves to organize our black block club and get 10 people together, pull out the lemonade and coffee and the cookies mm -hmm. and invite our county supervisors and our aldermen to come and sit and engage and because a lot of people have no idea how important Medicaid is to low-income communities. Um, you know, what's the big deal that they're uh, fighting over uh, eliminating Obamacare? Um, and it is incumbent upon every single one of us to make sure that our neighbors are engaged, that they get out and vote. You, you can't complain that your congressman, who represents 750,000 people, didn't get your neighbor across the hall out to vote. That is your responsibility. Right. One of the things, um, too, I sort of hear you saying, too, involvement with the communities, but also education, because a lot of it is uh, educating people to know the difference between the House, the House of Representatives, the Congress, and basically how it, it operates. Because, and, and which leads me to a final question, because I know you've got to rush off to an event this evening, is how, what are plans, or even just from your own opinion, how do we reach out to the millennials? Because by 2025, statistics say we're going to have 11 million millennials. And we know, and you mentioned this today, and so I think Melissa also, that many of them did not vote uh, at all in this election. And so for 2018, 2020, is there a plan? What do you think we should do to try to reach out to those millennials to get them to the polls? Oh, my God. Thank you so much for raising this. Because a year ago, Cornell Belcher, who was a, a Democratic strategist and pollster, warned us that the people who voted for Barack Obama were not affiliated with any party. They weren't Democrats, mm -hmm. and certainly they weren't they Republicans. Were Republicans right. um, and yes, we do essentially, under our form of government, have a binary choice. It's Democrats or Republicans. So while it might sound good or feel good to say, I'm an independent, the reality is that there's a huge difference uh, between Democrats and Republicans. And at the end of the day, you, you have to make a binary choice. You're going to vote for the Democratic person for Congress or the Republican person in the general election with the president, the Democrat or the U.S. Senate, the Democrat or the Republican. And so that we have got to uh, appeal to people off cycle times to do what we used to call freedom school on a different level and really talk about those values um, that the Democratic Party holds. I mean, we're the party that's concerned about student debt. Right. We're the party that's concerned about health care for all. We're the party mm -hmm. that's concerned about uh, retirement security, taking care of our disabled, making sure that our educational system is funded and that there's mm -hmm. accountability, um, as opposed to the party that is concerned about only concerned about giving tax breaks to the wealthiest corporations. Right. And I mean, this is a choice people have to make. And staying home and not voting is a choice. 
And we're living with that choice now because of all the people who infuriated me in this last election, those people who voted third party, you know, those people who voted for Donald Trump, more people did not vote. Right. And that's why my concern personally, too, and I'm, I'm throwing that out, and I, and I know you'll take this back and do some work on it, and I want to applaud you for the work that you have done, is how we engage uh, the millennials. The millennials the millennials can help us. I mean, I'm, Barbara, I'm, I'm, a, I'm, I'm a couple of days younger than you. Um, but still, we, we grew up in an era. We did not have all these tools, Facebook and Twitter. Well, yes. and we did, Well, the Russians have. Yes. Have, have this, this capacity. This We've got to scale up right. we these do. communications. Absolutely. Um, and, Absolutely. And, and our millennials can right. teach us how right. to reach out to them. Because that's exactly where they are. One of the things I shared yesterday with an interview with another congressperson, uh, one of your colleagues, was that I have come up with, and I'm giving a trade secret, mm-hmm. and that my, one of the things I've discovered, because I have been reaching out to millennials and having conversations with them, a lot of women, a lot of men as well. What I found is that there, when I look at the four quadrants of life, what do people want? Happiness, growth, abundance, or meaning. You might want to try this. And, 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 I will. And try, awesome. Yeah, because there's four things, when you start to ask them, about the four things that people generally look for in life. Give them, and I said, I'm giving you 10 poker chips. Place the chips in the areas that are most important to you. What I've found in my limited research is most of the millennials want meaning and growth. So what meaning, in other words, I want to find what is the value, what is the stick that I'm doing that will give me meaning. It's finding my purpose. It's, and the growth is that opportunity to grow, whether it's in your office and learn politics and learn how to operate. That, and you don't find too many of them saying happiness and abundance. It's interesting. That is really interesting. Um, so I just am that, that, that food for thought today. That, that, that helps you start that conversation to have that information. Right. And it, and it, and it has kept you very young <laughs> to be hanging out with these millennials. Yeah, well, you know, and that's been inspirational to me as they reach out to me, and I'm trying to find out where are they coming from, and that's what I found so far. So I shared this yesterday, and maybe this would be something as you begin to bring people, young people, interns in your office, to actually try that exercise and to see where they put their chips. <laughs> You'll teach me this. <laughs> but I really want to thank you, Congressman Gwen Moore, for taking the time today to spend with me and to all my listeners out there, all of you in all the countries, my international listeners, my listeners all over the United States. I want to thank you for listening today with Dr. Young and with Congressman Gwen, Congresswoman Gwen Moore, a dynamic woman. And thank you again. I love you so much. Oh, I love you more. <laughs> thank you. And God bless you all. Have a great week. And I'll see you next week at the same time. I'll have another guest for you next week. So stay tuned to Transformation for Success with Dr. Barbara Young. We appreciate you joining us for Transformation for Success. Please join your host, Dr. Barbara Young, again next Tuesday at 3 p.m. Eastern Time. That's 12 noon Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. 
or join us for our replay every Friday at 3 p.m. Eastern Time and 12 noon Pacific Time on the Voice America Women's Channel. Have an outstanding week.